You're listening to a podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. This is highlights from our weekly service. Good evening, my friends, and welcome to Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. We are a worldwide denomination which welcomes everyone to worship with us regardless of age or race, gender or status or lifestyle. Whether you are meeting us here for the first time or whether you're a regular visitor to our online service, you are most welcome. We're all hoping that it won't be too long before we can meet again back in our church. It will be a different experience to that which we have known because the world will be different but we will be seeing each other again in real time because for some people this has been an aching loss during the last few weeks. But we are now here for each other, with the help of technology, of course. Tonight we celebrate the Feast of the Holy Trinity. Now much has been written and chewed over regarding this feast. And so it might be regarded as something of a mystery, but that's God for you. Altogether a mystery beyond our understanding. But there are some clues to help us understand what this feast means for us. Now you may recall how the spirit hovered over creation as described in the book of Genesis and how in the Gospel of John, Jesus tells his followers that he is in the Father and the Father is in him. Then he reassured his disciples, and that includes us, that he would send the Spirit, the Advocate, to be alongside us always. What we have here is a God for all times and seasons of our lives. For every experience we have, good or bad, for every mood we experience in joy or in sorrow, there is God. In whichever nature of the Trinity, we need God to be for us at that time. Spirit, silent power, energizer, Jesus, word of life, pattern for our living. God, whom Jesus called Abba, Daddy, our parent figure, to protect, to guide, and to console us. Let us pray. Holy Trinity, three in one God, and one God with three natures, be with us. Guard us, guide us, inspire us, protect us, and energize us to become even more your people in these difficult times so that you may look upon us and be glad that you created us to be followers of Christ on your earth. Amen. And now our first reading, which is from the prophet Isaiah, and this will be followed by a reading from the Gospel of Matthew. A reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 12 to 17 and verses 27 to 31. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, 
and marked off the heavens with a span. Enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or as his counsellor has instructed him? Whom did he consult for his enlightenment and who taught him the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Even the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as dust on the scales. See, he takes up the isles like fine dust. Lebanon would not provide fuel enough, nor are its animals enough for burnt offerings. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not heard? Have you not known? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found acceptable to you, O God. Amen. Trinity Sunday is an occasion when many clergy try to avoid preaching. Thanks, Ronnie. This is because the Trinity is a difficult subject, but don't let that turn you off straight away. I'm not going to tell you the whole story, which in any case I haven't fully mastered myself. Other special days in the church year's year mark events or people. Think of Christmas or Easter, St John the Baptist or St Paul, 
These and plenty more are regarded as being important in the Church's history, and so each has a day or more on which we're asked to pay special attention to whoever or whatever is being remembered. But Trinity Sunday is different. Instead, we are asked to remember a doctrine. Now a doctrine is something that the Church has come to believe. It's carefully thought through some problem and agreed what the answer should be. In this case, the problem was, what do we do about Jesus? Everybody knew he'd been very special, and there are hints in the New Testament that Christians, the first Christians, thought there was something divine about him. But how can that be expressed? And at the same time, people believed in God the Creator and knew that Jesus had prayed to the God he called Father. And what about the Spirit, or breath of God? In Hebrew and Greek, the word for both is the same. We have the picture of God speaking creation into being, using breath, air. We have the prophet Elijah's experience of God as a still, small voice. Or as a more modern translation has it, the sound of a gentle breeze. The Spirit appears throughout the Bible, with the disciples realising its dramatic importance in the most exciting of ways in at the Feast of Pentecost. So we've got God the Creator, and we've got God the Holy Spirit, who seems to be God as well. But still the question, what do we do about Jesus? Early Christian scholars discussed this, and one thing they were clear about. Whatever the answer they came up with, it had to work as a good tool in arguing the Christian case in a world familiar with Greek philosophy. The answer, as we have it, was put together mostly in the 4th century, with selective use of Bible texts. And the answer, our doctrine, was that God is one God, but that there are three persons in that one God, one of them being the risen and ascended Jesus Christ, using these words in a spiritual sense. That's misleading, of course, because if you think of persons, you think of people, and we're not thinking about, about a gang of three women or men. The original Greek word used meant substance or being. So the idea is that God exists in three ways, none of them dependent on anything outside God for his, her or its existence. And then, of course, over the last 15 or 1600 years, scholars have studied the doctrine, reinterpreted it, tried to re-understand it, and sometimes disagreed about it. But it serves its purpose of answering the Jesus question. By asserting Jesus Christ's place in the Trinity, the doctrine has the ability to point to the life, death, and lordship of Jesus as the way into encountering God. It asserts that while Jesus was a human being, just like any of us, the love the compassion that he demonstrated in the few years of his ministry, it asserts that all that is still expressed by the one God. And that means that we have a way into understanding, for, in terms of the Christian faith, the priorities for living in fully human ways. 
and how to live life in all its fullness has always been a problem to people. It was a problem to the world in which the early Christian church had to make its way. And it's a problem which, according to St John's Gospel, Jesus himself addressed directly. What about today? What about us? Were the priorities required for having fullness of life expressed when George Floyd had a policeman's knee on his neck? Obviously not. Were they expressed by a police force that could accommodate someone with such a murderous attitude? Were they expressed by a society that for 400 years or more has used some of its members first as slaves and latterly and less, as less than fully human scapegoats? But maybe those of us who are British need to think beyond, to think beyond criticising some, and certainly not all, Americans. As modern capitalism got going, who was it who set up the 18th century trade triangle? Cotton and sugar from America to be sold in Britain, metal goods and such from Britain to be sold in Africa, and captured Africans to be taken to America and sold there an evil variation on the theme of Trinity. We can, of course, say that it was wrong of certain Africans to capture others and sell them to the European traders, but they could only do that if there was a market for them, a market generated by the European willingness to make money at any price. And we live with the effects of this. One example. Think of Tate and Lyle Sugar and the Tate Galleries. While neither Tate nor Lyle owned slaves, the roots of the sugar trade on which they built their fortunes lay in the slave economy. And it's possible that some of the sugar they imported came from crops worked by slaves in Brazil and in Central America. More significantly, it was the slave trade which provided great wealth for Britain, directly and indirectly, as the Industrial Revolution got going, and as the British Empire developed. And we certainly live with the residue of that, as quite a few MCC people know only too well. Many countries in Africa are saddled with the rubbish left behind by colonialism. Weak economies, obsolete but cruel laws about LGBT matters, ill-fitting national boundaries, and racist attitudes held by the former occupiers of their countries. None of these makes for fullness of life. None reflects the love, the compassion of God that the idea of the Trinity invites us to express. That's a broad, rough sketch of the background to George Floyd's killing that we share as either victims or beneficiaries. We are all bound up in it. As John Donne Dean of St Paul's wrote in 1623, no man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. For God, all people are of equal importance, whoever they are. The loss of George Floyd is therefore our loss. The injustice inflicted on those who come to this country is inflicted on the rest of us. 
So part of what we as Christians can do is somehow to feel pain, feel some injustice, just as we do if a relative or close friend is suffering in some way. When we're in touch with other people, we need to gossip. That's quite a good word, gossip. We need to gossip our solidarity with those who suffer and who are unjustly treated in the States, but also with those who come to this country for asylum, and indeed all who suffer worldwide. Remember, for us, the question, what do we do about Jesus, is answered by our continually trying to find ways of expressing the justice, the love, the compassion that he expressed. Justice, love, compassion, which are God's justice, love, compassion, use that word, by our struggling in the interest of fullness of life for everyone. Amen. Now is the time we set aside to speak directly with God and listen to the one who knows us intimately and loves us in all our imperfections. In keeping with our custom in the Metropolitan Community Church, I light a special candle. As we remember all who have surrendered themselves to your tender care due to HIV-related conditions, I lumber those who have succumbed to coronavirus or other conditions or to other acts of violence. So let us pray together for ourselves, for our communities, and for the wider world. Loving God, Mother and Father of all creation, we come together from different places and in different ways, knowing that we are all in your presence and in the presence of your Son, Jesus, the Christ, at one in the Holy Spirit. You make us in so many wonderful shapes and colours. We thank you that you love us all your children with an equal warmth, but that your desire is to break down the boundaries and limits of prejudice and injustice. As we rejoice in your amazing love, Lord, we pour out before you now our needs, our cares and concerns, and those of all our sisters and brothers, whoever and wherever they may be. Lord, you know so many of us have in our own lives experienced prejudice and injustice. Yet none of us is immune from the weakness of the human condition. Let us pray for those who are detained, tortured, exiled, or who are seeking asylum or refuge, or because they have struggled for their rights or the rights of others. As we see the images that confront us in the media of protests, counter-protests, and law enforcement activity, and as we hear the rhetoric of activists, bystanders, and politicians, Help us all to resist the demons of racism and to unmask the mindsets of hate. Banish evil, we pray, as with sisters and brothers of every nation around the world, 
including our own. We proclaim that Black Lives Matter. Especially this evening, Lord, let us pray for those people whose lives have been taken because of the colour of their skin and for the loved ones, families and friends left behind who mourn their loss. Let us shout out to the world, we have a message. We have a message of peace, inner peace from the knowledge of God's love, peace in our communities from love for one another, peace in the world from a shared concern for humankind. Lord, we pray for all those who bring your peace for all those in the worldwide church and in the communities of other faiths, in metropolitan community churches everywhere, and in Northern Lights, MCC particularly. For those who teach of your forgiveness and who work hard to bring and keep us together as a family. For those who work to reconcile people into perspectives who seek to break down barriers of fear and mistrust, who campaign for peace in the world, and who negotiate settlements and agreements. Let us shout out to the world again. We have a message of hope for the faithful, that God will see us through. Hope for our communities, that each one of us will always champion the disadvantaged, the oppressed, and the discriminated against. Hope for those who are destitute or homeless or in distressing financial circumstances or victims of abuse or hungry or unable to work, that their situations will be relieved. Hope for the world in the discovery of our need for one another. Lord, we pray for all who bring your message of hope, for those engaged in a ministry of caring, for those who bring comfort and a new vision to all who are going through dark times, who need to feel you close and who need the reassurance of your love and the encouragement of your spirit. Again, let us shout out to the world, we have a message of life, of life triumphant over death and sickness, of life triumphant over suffering and sorrow, of life for those who strive to live in Christ, of life for communities once cold and barren, of life for the world in the promise of God's saving grace. Lord, we pray for the world as it strives to respond to the coronavirus pandemic and for all who are affected, whether through illness or isolation or anxiety, for those who are feeling frustrated or in discomfort or pain, or who are afraid because they are ill or have been injured. We pray for those who are nearing the end of their journey on earth, that they may know your comfort and peace. And we pray for all those who bring your message of life, those who make the resurrection of Christ a reality today, those who work for the coming of God's commonwealth of life and love and joy, 
those whose caring lives in past times and today are witness to Christ's triumph. And especially now, all those who are working in health and care environments, through whose compassion, skills, dedication and insights, many will be restored to health. And again, let us shout out, we have a message. We have the good news that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to God herself. Lord, may the worldwide church be united in you so that we may be effective messengers of your healing love for all humankind. We bring to you, Lord, all for whom requests for prayers have been placed in our special book of intentions. Help them all to come to terms with their pain and difficulties and help them to look forward to the future, whatever and wherever that may be. We place them in your healing presence, Lord, and ask that you enfold every single person who needs to feel the warmth and tenderness of your embrace. So now let us pray for the needs of people known to ourselves. Be with us all, Lord, in our daily struggles to follow you, in our periods of doubt and despair, in times of happiness and health and loving. Be with us all until the time when in the heavenly realm of your love, our joy will know no end. We make our prayers in faith and love for you. We now commend ourselves and all for whom we pray to your mercy and protection, Lord, and to the healing love of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, as we say together the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. And let us say together, the grace of the Holy Trinity. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and forevermore. Amen. Go in the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about what we do, you can find us on social media or visit our website, northernlightsmcc.org.uk.